This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome Hello. back to our podcast. Um, Tommy, we try to, you know, try to, I mean, we've done this twice before, right? We try to always have some kind of a, not spooky, but Halloween theme. We try to theme it out. We try to theme it out, right? We did right. vampires, In October. Right? We, did, we did Dracula, right? Yeah, we, we did, did Dracula, we did vampires, and we did zombies, right? So we're trying to theme it out a little bit. Theme it out. So what do we got today, Tommy? What do we got? So today we're going to look at urban legends and really how they became part of Americana. And we'll look at some spooky urban legends from um, different states and just come that pop up all over the place, like some truth behind them. You know, this isn't a urban legends podcast. I know there are probably thousands of podcasts that are dedicated just to urban legends. So if any of these um, ones that we talk about today, you kind of pique your interest, I'm sure you can find podcasts out there just on that particular urban legend itself, because they are everywhere. A lot of these ones that a lot of ones that uh, we researched, I've heard about before. A couple of them, um, I've actually, I wouldn't say experienced, but like went to the place. I remember when I was in, you know, when I was younger, yeah, in, in the youth, right, in those, <laughs> those those days, right, the rebellious, uh, crazy youth times. But yeah, so uh, we'll talk about a couple of these and just uh, see which ones interest you out there. Yeah, and again, this is just an overview. However, uh, if you look at urban legends overall, some of these are you've heard before. I mean, there's there's the first of all, there's a terrible movie, '98, Urban Legends. Do you remember that movie? I remember it coming out. That, that was like when they started making all those movies based on like uh, on urban Final legends, Destina- Final Destination and stuff like that. Yeah, they make all these horror movies and everything, which is success well, of like Scream. When I was doing this research for urban legends, I realized a lot of them have really just become. Your typical movies, like movies that I know, like I know what you did last summer, Scream, like all those movies are actually stem, those stories, original stories stem from some form of an urban legend. And I didn't know that. Like I, I thought it was the other way around. So what are urban legends? Um, urban legends typically combined uh, secondhand narratives, right? Kind of like, oh, I heard this from a friend of a friend or my grandma used to tell me this. They're always, now it's changing a little bit, but they traditionally were always passed on through just word of mouth, people telling stories. Yeah. And there's always some form of contemporary setting or like a familiar everyday object that's that's near it or within yeah. the story. Like food, travel, right? Things like that. Yeah. Shopping, uh, pets, just anything like that. Anything that like something to make it like recognizable to people, basically. Yep. It's also they're also known as contemporary legends. So they kind of stem from this idea of old folklore, you know, folk tales back in the day. Um, you know, 1700s, 1800s, you would have someone sit you down and be like, oh, there's this folk tale. But these are more modern, right? I mean, the term urban legend really doesn't come into play until 1960s. I believe 68 is the first time that a professor of folklore studies actually described this this new well, phenomenon. Basically what this is, right? It's modern folk narrative. That's what it is. Yep. It's, it's modern day folklore and it gets travels a lot faster with the um, advent of emails and then obviously social media today. Is uh, that that alone sparks hundreds, probably thousands of uh, urban legends? Absolutely, alone. And one of the first ones that really came out in 1980s. So it was it, the term itself first um, was used in 1960, 68, um, and then 1981. It was a publication where the phrase became popular. It was a publication of a book called "The Vanishing Hitchhiker: American Urban Legends and Their Meanings." John Harold Brunwald. Brunwald. 
and he basically collected all these stories of these like more well-known contemporary legends and this one obviously we've all probably heard the vanishing hitchhiker right it's a person traveling in a vehicle meets this mysterious hitchhiker and then all of a sudden the hitchhiker vanishes and then you realize that actually was a ghost the whole time kind of like that whole sixth sense thing you got going in the movie yeah a very similar idea again you'll notice a lot of these actually have been translated to movies let's get into some of these urban legends well i think one that i'd like to start with is one that i'm sure everyone has heard of and it's one that has based on a little bit of fact and it's an urban legend that dates back to the 60s right we talked about when this terminology first starts to be developed and it's the um babysitter and the man upstairs legend I'm okay. sure you've heard that one before, right? Yeah. And it's basically the legend details a teenage girl who's watching television at night while babysitting after the children were put to bed upstairs. There's different variations. Sometimes they're all watching TV together. And the phone rings. Unknown caller says, check the children. The girl like dismisses it, right? But they keep on calling. Guy will back. Sometimes they're just breathing heavily. The babysitter calls the police who then says, all right, we're going to trace the call. And then after the stranger calls again, the police return her call and tell her, you know, leave immediately. And she runs out of the house. And the police are basically, you know, the calls are coming from inside the house. Get out of there. I mean, I remember seeing this on just like commercials, you know? Yeah. And then from different um, different parts, you know, sometimes the children survive. Sometimes they don't survive. Sometimes the, they kill everybody. Um, sometimes you throw, they throw clowns in there that they're like, oh, no, the clown statue keeps on making these noises and she calls the parents. The parents are like, we don't have a clown statue and they, you know, comes and attacks them and everything like that. And, but it's actually based on a real life um, murder of a teenage babysitter by the name of Janet Christman. A lot of times that's kind of like cited as a source of the legend and then they kind of just like spun from there. But it's definitely one that I remember hearing when I was a kid. These my uh, older cousins kind of used to always tell me these, uh, these legends and these like scary stories all the time. I, I'm thinking probably to freak me out. Isn't that like the thing? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, why would you tell these stories? It's probably just too yeah, you know, they're, freaky. They're, they're, they're trying to re- yeah, get that. You get that frightened feeling, you know, just like, wow, really? And then some of the ones we'll talk about, oh, let's go there because it's 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 right here. We can go check out and see the, this ghost or whatever. So it's, it's that's part of it, too. It's part of just like, I guess, being younger. And it's also just it's just people like to f- are interested in this sort of thing, like the macabre of it, the, the thrill of it things like that but that was one that i always remember when i see saw that pop on this like oh yeah of course that one the babysitter upstairs i mean they use that in so many movies when a stranger calls scream like that is used so many times in movies you know like the call is coming from in the house i think yeah. i don't know i don't know how, how how they can trace it directly inside the house nowadays i guess they can trace anything with the cell phones but another thing that's kind of interesting is when you think about particular urban legends is that they say they show society's fears at that current time i don't yeah. know if you saw that so like yeah. if, if society is very violent, if there's a lot of murders, then like the urban legends that start growing around that time deal with that. Um, hitchhikers, you know, this is, you know, 70s, that 80s. That, time, yeah. that was like a thing at the time. So they always in some way, shape or form offer an insight into like fears of state of society at that given time. Besides the fact that, you know, they're kind of fun. Or just look well. at that last one, right? What's, what's scarier than someone coming to your house and killing your kids? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it doesn't get worse than that. Like that, that, that that's going to scare anybody. That's going to scare kids because, you know, your parents aren't home. That's going to scare the babysitters or the, you know, whoever's watching the kids and scare to scare the parents. So that's kind of like the trifecta of fear Ooh, right there. So, all right, let's go. Let's go to the next one. Um, freaking me out already, Pete. You're freaking oh, me out. Oh, this already. is crazy. Um, the licked this. hand. I've heard that one before. All right. You probably heard this one. So if you're a pet lover, right, this could be an interesting one for you. So this is an urban legend that basically depicts a, a scared young girl. Sometimes it's just a woman. Uh, it doesn't have to be a young girl, depending on who you hear from. Um, um, spends the night at home and she's home alone and while she's trying to fall asleep she hears this like weird dripping noise coming from her bathroom 
Um, and she's like really spooked, so she doesn't want to get out of the bed. So she kind of curls up under her covers, but she reaches down to kind of find reassurance in her faithful dog who always licks her hand from the floor. So like while she's laying there spooked, she like puts her hand down and the dog licks her hand the whole time and she calms her down. She goes to sleep. And the next morning she decides to investigate the strange sound, right? So she gets up, goes to the bathroom and she finds her beloved pet is slaughtered. And then there's a terrifying message that's written in blood across the bathroom wall that says humans can lick hands too. But again, and- I mean, that's one of those ones that more of like a scary story. I don't know if that's like... One of these ones like based in fact, but um, because who's going to do that? Like you yeah. can get away, but I guess, I guess it could happen. I, I mean, I guess. But yeah, the lick hand, yeah, humans can lick hands too. All right. All right. What else you got? Um, well, like I said, there's a whole bunch from all over the place, but I saw one that was popping up quite a bit. I guess we'll go with this one. This one's from uh, New Jersey, right? Our home uh, state. Good old Jersey. And good old New Jersey, and which has this whole um, series of these. Every state does, but like the obviously everyone's heard of like weird New Jersey and stuff like that. This one's kind of from. Uh, I've been published by Weird New Jersey like three oh, yeah, times. There you go. Cheap pop right there, Pete. But that works. <laughs> I was. I mean, I have been. Uh, right. Actually, the oh, current yeah. issue that just came out, I have a story in it. Just throw that like, out there. Your life is very weird, so it works out. Yeah. It works yeah. Out perfectly. All right. Go, go, go. <laughs> but um, so it's on uh, Clinton Road, which is in uh, Passaic County, New Jersey, right by where I used to grow up. And there's this saying, and the, there's a lot of um, legends about sightings around that area, like ghosts, strange creatures, witches, Satanists, all rumored to be just kind of in this area right yeah of uh, new jersey there right near uh, route 23 if people who are around the area know and it's also um true it uh, has a notoriously long traffic like that i think that's one reason why they're saying a lot of these urban legends pop up around this area um it's just like it's a double intersection and it causes motorists sometimes you're waiting for over five minutes in total which is a long time for the light even to change but you should also um, mention that once you get going i mean i've been to clinton road at night in my jeep with the top of doors off when I was like 17 and there was no lights. It's just the woods. Yeah, it's just woods. It's just woods on both sides. Yeah. yeah it's um, pretty freaky. So that's basically what it is. And um, it's by like a reservoir and stuff like that. So it's kind of just like out there. There's been a lot of times there too, like on um, in the eighties, they found the body of a uh, cyclist and um, they didn't find him until like hours later and he was being eaten by turkey vultures. Right. So you have that there. And it was actually found out later that he was murdered by Richard Kuklinski which was actually the um, Iceman. Have you heard of him? He's like the serial yeah, yeah. killer from New Jersey. A mob, mob, basically like a mob hitman. But anyway, so that, that that kind of adds to this legend and folklore of Clinton Road. But um, the most, the one that I remember going there for was the Ghost Boy Bridge. So what basically happened is there's a legend that if um, you put a quarter in the middle of the road where the yellow line is at one, at one over the bridge of Clinton Road, it's also mm-hmm. known as Dead Man's Curve near the reservoir. At midnight, it was supposed to be returned to you by a ghost boy. All right, who drowned while swimming below, or he fell into like why well, Edge Bridge, like different stories. So, and sometimes people say like you know the ghost boy will show up, and others they say the um, ghost pushes the uh, people into the water, um, and in order to save them, pushes them away from the water, away from the bridge, in order to save them. But there's all these talks about this like ghost boy and stuff like that. There's even um, claims that seen a ghost Camaro driven by a girl who supposedly died in a separate crash, but he's also there. And um, so this other one saying there's two park rangers that come there at night, that they're two ghosts of park rangers that died there in 1983, who died on the job in 1939, excuse me. So there's all these things that are going on there. And that if you do it, you go there at certain times, that's what's going to happen. So the coin is going to be returned to you. Are you going to leave it there and you're going to go home? The next day you're going to wake up, there's the coin. Oh, there's my quarter. It's a I remember going and going there. We did it. And um, to this day, I did not get my quarter back. So I'm not sure. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Uh, but I'm not saying now. If I wake up tomorrow and sit on my bed, it's going to be kind of freaky. I'm not that would be freaky. Lie, but I said I'm going to call your wife out. and be like, "All right, you got to make sure you leave that on this pillow." 
Dang it. Why did I say something? That would have been perfect. Yeah. Oh, well, since we're in Sorry. New Jersey, let's let's stick with another New Jersey one. The 13th child, also known oh, as yes. the Jersey Devil. Jersey Devil, right? That's how we get the hockey team. Right. So um, this it's basically 1735. A woman lives in the woods of New Jersey's secluded Pine Barrens, right? Um, she cursed the birth of her 13th child because the, uh, the child was born a freak of nature. It was like this. It was bat winged and looked basically like a devil. It was like a creature, right? Basically banishes this child. And this, this 13th child starts to terrorize the area ever since um, and becomes known as the New Jersey devil. And this was actually such a big deal early 20th century that um, so widespread. There were so many people, sightings of, you know, said that they saw this Jersey devil that the Philadelphia Zoo actually posted a $10,000 reward for the capture of the New Jersey Devil. So it got it got pretty intense there at one point. But yeah, I mean, I haven't seen a Jersey Devil, but some people claim to have seen it. I well, mean, in the Pine Barrens, yeah, I don't remember there's some pictures of it. I know my son is like obsessed with it at times. Like, he'll be like, is this real, Dad? He hears about the Jersey Devil and he watches like some of those uh, unexplained shows and some of that. Basically shows I probably shouldn't be letting him watch at his age. I was going to say, right? Although we did do a podcast on uh, Bigfoot, right? I mean, that's like that's like our version of Bigfoot in New Jersey. Yeah, that's that's the, the New Jersey, Jersey version of it, I guess, yeah. And if, you know, flies around and stuff, all these different things, people having images of it. So, I mean, it's something out there. But again, it's become part of folklore. Look, like I said before, that you have the New Jersey Devil hockey team. You go by the Pine Barrens, they just sell Jersey Devil stuff. Like that's, just, that's just what there is out there. You have these from all different states. Like when I saw that, what I've noticed too, a lot of them reading about the ones from different states is that these, a lot of the stories kind of overlap. Like they're, they're yep. very, they're, they involve like a bridge, right? The water, a couple. And that's the next one I saw uh, from Alabama which was um, Hell's Gate Bridge. But I remember hearing very similar stories, even right here from New Jersey about this. Um, with about What basically happened was in the 1950s, there was a young couple driving over the bridge and they somehow drove off the bridge, right? Late at night and they died. They both drowned. So the legend associated with her, one of the two legends is that if you drive your car out in the middle of the bridge and turn off your lights, that the couple will appear in your car. And the proof of that is that there's going to be like, they'll, there's going to be wet spots in your car where they were sitting. Uh, which would freak me out if you just yeah like, I, I, <laughs> look down and see <laughs> the other, um, which is, which is um, how the bridge could have got its name, is the belief that if you drove, if you drive over the bridge and look over your shoulder halfway through, that the scenery behind you turns into a portal to hell itself, what? and you see like burning flames and stuff like that, which um, potentially to curb ghost hunters and bored teenagers. Uh, today, the bridge is actually closed to cars. You're not allowed to be. You're not allowed to drive over it. And it's in a lot of like disrepair that walking across it is like discouraged because it could pretty much fall apart, but it's still there. And it's going to come part of like, you know, it's like urban legend in Alabama, but it's kind of like, they don't want people walking on it. So a lot of conspiracy people are like, oh, see, they don't even want people even going on anymore because if you do, you're going to open up a gate to hell. So there's a lot of bridges, a lot of bridges in these stories. Like, bridges are freaky. Right. The, the bunny man with this one is from Virginia. So bunny man, basically there's some dude in Virginia. That apparently costume. dresses up. Did you see this one? He dresses up as a rabbit, and then he winds up killing people with an axe. But then there's also this entire bridge that's named after him. After like this axe murder, it's called the Bunnyman Bridge. And around Halloween time, apparently throughout October, this guy goes around and then kills and skins rabbits, and then hangs these skinless rabbits, their bodies, off of his Bunnyman Bridge. And apparently people go there in like October to like see if there's any skinned bunnies. History is the greatest adventure story. But does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? 
This is Lori from the Her Half of History podcast, and the answer is that some women were seizing power, or escaping slavery, or spying for their country, or creating artistic masterpieces, while countless others were doing the laundry, getting married, and wondering why their clothes don't have more pockets. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out Her Half of History at herhalfofhistory.com or wherever you get your podcasts. What did the bunny ever do to you? That's kind of freaked out. So he's basically like a uh, demented furry, right? Right. I mean, what is this? The other one, the hook one, this one, again, literally, this is screaming. Yeah, Yeah, this one's just screaming. I know what you did last summer. So it gives you the idea, right? But it's a creepy urban legend. Basically, it's a serial killer with a hook for a hand. And apparently, it always stalks couples that are like parked in cars or remote areas. And uh, it starts off like if you do that, there was one time supposedly that a couple heard a scraping sound on the car door and they, they freaked out. So they started driving away from the spot. And then once they were at a safe distance away, they stopped the car. They got out to inspect it and they realized that the serial killer's hook was like lodged in the door. Again, this has been around since the 80s, eventually became a movie in the 1990s, um, like a lot of these, really. Screaming Jenny was a good one. I heard this one. Well, actually, I went on a ghost tour in Harper's Ferry. Um, Jenny was a poor woman, no family, right? Lived along the railroad in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. And one day she was warming up um, some food over a campfire and a spark flies from the fire and catches her dress. She screams for help. The fire grows bigger, basically engulfs her in flames. In a last chance attempt, she fell into the, she fell onto rather the train tracks trying to get the attention of an approaching train, but it was too late. So the train basically hit Jenny. Uh, and just like broke her into pieces. And today people believe that like on the anniversary of her death, Jenny's burning ghost can be seen on the very same West Virginia tracks. And some people say you could still hear her screams at late at night. Yeah, what I noticed too is there's a lot of ones with um, kids. Yep. You know, like spooky kids or the ghost of kids. Again, so it's because it's going to scare kids. But one that I saw that's probably a bit more modern. Um, they start hearing about it in the uh, late 90s, but it really started to um, grow with the creepypastas, which are like these, like uh, I guess, like urban legend type of forums and stuff like that. Did you it's say creepypastas? Creepypastas, yeah. You never heard about creepypastas? No. Stories and stuff like that that people would um, really. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. So they're like these horror-related legends that are shared around. They're like people share them on the internet. Ghosts, you know, zombies, murderers. The one that um, is really caught fire on there was one known as the black-eyed children or black-eyed kids. And they're basically kind of like paranormal creatures that look like kids between 6 and 16 years old. They have pale skin and black eyes, like no pupils, just pure black eyes. Supposedly they're seen hitchhiking or begging or sometimes coming to people's uh, doorsteps and just like asking for things, but like weird things, like things that you might not have, like not like they're asking for like help or anything. They're just asking for like... You know, can I have a glass of water? You know, can I, can I have some sugar? It's like just weird things like that. And people talk about, you know, if they keep on seeing they feel like weak and stuff around the, these uh, black eyed kids. Now, there's no proof they actually exist. And most people say it's just like, um, you know, these creepy pastors or like, you know, just people being afraid. But there's a lot of you're seeing a lot more of um, sightings or reports of them taken over. And it's kind of like really spooky, too, if you have Google like pictures of them and stuff like that. With the black eyed kids look, it's like these like soulless, emotionless kids. You know, like the bob haircuts is like super pale skin, but he's like dark, dark, just pure black eyes. You know, people like soulless and they're just staring at you being like, can I come in? That's crazy. So, so this one is this one's like an urban legend, but it's actually based on a real event. Um, you perhaps you've heard this one, which is the story of Mercy Brown and the mm-hmm. New England vampire panic in like late 1800s, 1890s. So 
in late 1800s Rhode Island, people believed that tuberculosis was caused by the dead consuming their surviving family members. So that's sound. Yeah, so they thought like if someone died from tuberculosis and then other people in the family sort of dying from tuberculosis, it was that first person, like case number one, that was actually consuming the family members. So the, you know they thought it was like a vampire, really. So the only way to deal with this sort of vampire, they would actually dig up the remains of the dead, the first person to die in the family, and try to burn their body. And there was an actual case of this. Um, it was the instance of Mercy Brown. And Mercy's entire family got tuberculosis, and it was assumed that she caused it to happen, that she was the vampire. So her grave was dug up. This is the crazy part. They dug her grave up, and apparently there were like little signs of decomposition, and the body appeared to have changed positions from how they actually put her in there. Um, It's still considered Mercy Brown's gravestone, one of the spookiest places in Rhode Island. Um, I mean, there's a whole lot of uh, websites dedicated to it. It was just this idea of... It was part of a bigger New England vampire panic. Like people would dig up the first one that died and burn the body. Um, but yeah, you know, rituals to banish the undead manifestation. Kind of crazy. So yeah, no, you know, that's, that's scary things. Before P, I wanted to, I forgot I forgot to mention we mentioned the bunny man before, right? Mm-hmm. Like they actually believe that that is actually um, true. That that's actually like um, true uh, true story from the nineteen seventies. The bunny that it was man. a man dressed as a bunny killing people. They actually did that, yeah. Yeah, so it's actually like a true story. I meant to say that before. So I don't know, like, why would you choose a bunny suit though? Well, it's just one of those things. It's like unexpected, and it was during around like the Halloween time, and it was like he basically he um he killed a young couple. Yeah, so that, that's what he that's what he basically did. He dressed up as a bunny suit. He was never apprehended, but it was by the Fairfax Station Bridge. Uh, it, that's why it was renamed the Bunny Man Bridge. And hmm. It's a popular name. Even Google Map uses it today. Like if you go, you can Google Bunny Man Bridge. Sorry, I didn't mean to go back. No, but it's fine. Well, no, no, but, but isn't that crazy though? Like you, you bridge is named and adopted based on on like a killer that or someone yeah, that becomes like you know. Cool, cool, cool. This one's been around. The one, the next one, Bloody Mary. I mean, I feel yes. like this one, this one has changed a lot too. But probably one of the most famous, oldest urban legends, um, Bloody Mary. Apparently, if you go into a room with a mirror you turn off the lights and you look into the mirror while you say bloody mary three times um this girl mary will appear right in the earlier versions of this tale um it it would be if you were unmarried if you were a younger woman you were unmarried and you did this then you would see the face of a man that you'd marry in the mirror or you would see a skull which would mean that you would die before you ever got married um yeah, but eventually it got into like, you know, you would see bloody face of evil spirits and, you know, you better not summon Bloody Mary. But like, I feel like there's got to be a movie made about this. I mean, yeah, right? a whole bunch. Yeah, well, uh, Candyman is, is based on that too. Not great. And there was also like a bunch of um, The Forbidden, which was a filmmaker based like that. Another one, uh, They Came Through the Bathroom Mirror, which was about like very, something very similar to that. There's just these like chilling stories about like paranormal, but they were all based on. Um, one of the most, uh, they were all, I read, but they were all basically based on these like um, idea that if uh, there was like this uh, woman by the name of Ruby McCoy was killed by a group of intruders from her apartment through a gap in the wall through okay. the medicine cabinet. So they, they, she, they came actually through the medicine cabinet and that just kind of got like changed over time and stuff like that, that they came actually through the mirror, but they actually broke into her apartment through the medicine cabinet and killed her. What? So that's, that's kind of like the uh, basis for like the movies like Candyman and they killed her through the through the medicine cabinet. The flimsy barrier basically just like sheetrock to be able to break through. But 
So the, it can happen. They're just not magically coming through the mirror. They're just coming from the wall behind it. <laughs> you know, the interesting too, though, because I used to always like watching scary movies and then my wife hates scary movies. And that pretty much ended my scary movie adventure. Because, you know, since we were been together, which has been like 20 something years, it's like, uh, you want to watch this? No. You know, one of the movies that really freaked me out, which I basically, from what I read, is an allegory to, um, what do you call it, to Bloody Mary, is um, The Ring, except instead of a mirror, it's a TV. It kind of makes it more modern, I guess. Right? Yeah, but well, that was a freaky, freaky movie. One of our modern one was, um, it's again proven to be somewhat true, is the uh, Polybus video game. So according to legend, it was this game called Polybus. It was released in um, 1981 supposedly important Oregon. And the game was designed by the government as a kind of a psychological experiment. And it functioned almost like a drug. Like it gave the players seizures and nightmares. And it was being, like being an arcade. So the government officials would come in, extract information about the oh, players. They thought it was like CIA, region. right? Yeah. Yeah. So the game was um, probably not real, they think. There are there's some like urban, there's some truth to it, is that there are certain video games, particularly one called Tempest, which came out in the 80s, um, that actually was so, you know, that it, it would cause epileptic seizures. This is before they would do those, like, you know, announcements, to be careful. Yep. They would cause, like, motion sickness and others. And there were other, a lot of reports that FBI agents did actually go around and inspect arcades around the time. Uh, but really, they were there looking for, like, gambling and stuff like that. They weren't really looking to, like, you know, but they were, FBI agents actually going to arcades in the 80s but they're looking for like gambling and things. So, but they see that, right. They're seeing people have seizures. That's kind of how the urban legend kind of started, but there's no, there's no evidence that that game ever exists, but the game Tempest from 1981, um, if you suffered from epilepsy, it would, it would cause you to have a seizure. So that is true. Oh, damn. I'm pretty sure I have that game downstairs. Oh, yeah, I don't know. We're not going to try it out. All right. Did kidney heist. I mean, we, I feel like oh, I've yes, heard, that yes, was one of the yes. earliest one I've heard. I never hear about that one. Everyone, everyone's like, Oh, it happened to my friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. That's friend's right. brother. Which you know, makes sense. Ha- happened to my friend's <laughs> bro- brother. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Where is he now? Like, you know, which is literally like how these, what, you know, the main component of these is it happened to my friend's brother, but um, the kidney heist. So in this tale, a young man is basically seduced by his beautiful woman. And then they wind up going to a hotel room and the next morning, he wakes up in a bathtub full of ice to find that one of his kidneys has been removed and apparently, you know, for sale on the black market. Yeah, he an ice and saying, well, call 911, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's interesting. I had, a, I had a teacher in high school that truly believed he was abducted by aliens. And uh, oh. he was told, yeah, he was told not to talk about it. Uh, by the Board of I Education. No, I know. I don't even know if he's, he's still around. I mean, he was an older guy. Um, and this was years ago, but he was told by the board like of education not to talk about it. So naturally, we always talked about it. You know, we're like, so what happened? You know, he's like, oh, I can't talk about it. But I woke up and they did experiments on me. And like, for some reason, every time I think of this kidney thing, I like I imagine my old teacher like waking up in the bathtub because, you know, aliens did experiments on him. Um, it was a, it was a he was an odd, odd dude, very eclectic guy. Just like we talked about before with the uh, killer in the house, you also have the kill in the back seat. Right. Okay. So it's a common like car urban legend where you hear about this all over the United States, and it's actually pretty popular in um, England also. The legend involves a woman usually who's driving and being followed by a strange car or truck, and the pursuer keeps on driving. You know, getting really close, flashing the high beams, tail tailgates on her, and something even like rams her car. And she finally makes it home. She realizes that the driver was trying to warn her that there was a murderer or a rapist or an escaped mental patient, something like that, hiding in the back seat. Right. And each time the man's have to attack her, the driver behind 
had used the high beams to scare the killer after which he ducked down or rammed into him and stuff like that. So it was, it's kind of just showing two things, right? It's showing like the like women, like fear of a man following her, but also, you know, the man being the savior where because she's not trusting of the guy following her, she's going to get killed or attacked by this other guy who's actually in the back seat, which would actually be like really impossible for that ever, ever to happen. They were saying, I remember like uh, Mythbusters talked about this, like, for just like someone else to see someone in the back car and know that, that in the back seat, know that person was like a killer or like a escape mental patient just by like seeing that. And that, and that by those flashing lights is probably not going to like make that person being a fr- not to attack anymore, you know, and he, yeah. you know, the person driving would not notice or know there was someone in the back seat and stuff about to attack them. But it is like a scary idea, you know? Yeah. And especially like the ones where you could think of like, you know, I don't know about this one in particular, but you know, I'm, I'm, the next one I'm about to talk about has some basis in it. Especially when you like, there is some truth in the basis of it. It makes it so much free. Like when you think of what do you call it, the Amityville House? What is it called? Amityville Horror, yeah. Amityville Horror, right? One of the most I haunted mean, places in America, I suppose. Seventy-four. Basically, there's a mass murder. This twenty-three-year-old dude winds up killing his entire family while they're sleeping, and then somebody purchased the house right after it, and then they only last like a you know three weeks, and they're like, ah, I got to get out of here because there's ghosts. There's a lot of urban legends that this one, obviously, it's not an urban legend per se, because, I mean, there was a murder that happened there. But there's a lot of urban legends that deal with the fact that houses that are purchased are actually purchased above land that might be cursed from before your house was built. Yeah. Indian burial sites, right? That was a big one. Um, And I don't think there's got it. I mean, God knows, but I wouldn't think there's that many Indian burial mounds or sites throughout the United States. But, you know, the premise is around that your house might be haunted because, you know, it's almost like, did you ever think about what was there before your house was built? There's the whole idea too of like how like the Europeans came, took all the Native American lands and it was like a sacred before that we turned into like a shopping mall or something like that. Yeah. Well, think about this. Stephen King's Shining, Pet Cemetery, right? Like, yeah, all those things about it. Yeah. yeah. Just adds that, it adds that extra lore to it because it's like unknown to like a lot of people. What's, yeah, you should ever, like, I never wanted to know that. Like, if anyone ever die in your house, I don't want to know that. They have to tell you. They do. Well, they don't have to tell you if you don't, they have to tell you if you ask. I don't think they have to bluntly say. No, they have to tell you. And this sounds like an urban legend right now. But when my cousin bought his first house, they told him that, you know, there was a, the baby died in the house. There's a baby that died in the house. Oh, I wouldn't buy that house. So, well, he bought the house. But, like, <laughs> there was a baby that died in the house, yeah. It wasn't, oh, yeah. like, because of the house. I don't, I don't know what happened. I think they're just, like, you know, it was very See, I thought, I thought they, they don't – they have to tell you if you ask, but they don't, like, put it on people. No, they have to tell you. I think they have to tell you someone passed away in the house because it changes the uh, value. These people don't want to do it. They have to tell you there was a murder in the house also. Well, I would think that, right? I mean – Because then it's a crime scene. Or it was at some point. Yeah, I don't know if I would buy a house – like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but your house and my people, house are not that old. So some people, some people want to live in that type of place, you know? Well, especially when you buy like a historic home, right? From like, you know, this one's from 1730s. I'm like, yo, a lot of yes. things might've happened in this some house. Stuff went down there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We um, actually, uh, as a historical society, um, in my town, we just got a house, um, that we're trying to preserve and it's from 1700s. And, the downstairs, it, it like the basement itself looks a little uh, like some stuff might have happened in that basement in 1700s. Well, those things are just sketchy. When I say sketchy, just be, they just look at it because they're just so old. old it's like yeah. how they built them. And they're it's usually like wine small. cellars. You don't understand like, how much smaller people were. Yeah. Here back then. That is true. So, like, it's, it's just like different. It's like much more confined space and stuff like that. Nuts. 
All right, let's do um, a few more, and then we'll uh, we'll one, call yeah. it a night. One that I definitely wanted to talk about was also one that's a little bit more modern. And I remember hearing about this from like students in school back in the day, and then it actually became something that led to some real crimes, right? And that's the Slender Man. I'm sure. You yes, one, that's right? a new one. Yep, it's a new one. So it really started um, as a kind of an internet like meme created again by those creepy pastas, but it really surged in the mid uh, mid two thousands. And it's basically resembling this thin man, um, unnaturally tall, like he was very tall, different six feet, otherwise like seven feet, nine feet tall, stuff like that, with a blank and like usually faceless face, featureless face, wearing a black suit. And he said to like stalk, abduct people, traumatize people, um, mostly particularly children. And it's not to tie to any particular story. He usually like, appears in like other works in fiction, like at the end and stuff like that, or he just appears usually when you see the Slenderman, something bad's going to happen. But there actually was a case in New York, I believe it was, where uh, these girls, I'm sure you heard about this, they surrounded in these two girls stabbed one of their best friends because they said the slender man told them to do it and there's a whole documentary about it on hbo and luckily the girl did survive but they were they brutally attacked her and they just said well we did this for the slender man so that that's is to so show how some of these things they can get so like into it and just believe it so much because they believe that if they didn't do it the slender man was going to kill them if they didn't attack their friend it's nuts i mean it really started as a photoshop competition where people would yeah. take pictures and like basically superimpose this like supernatural element onto it. And that's how Slenderman was created. I mean, it, it's and crazy. Again, definitely one of the newer ones because this adds the component of the internet to it. It's kind of how it started, which is interesting. Um, there's a food, you know, it's a lot of food urban legends. Like, do you really know what you're eating kind of thing, right? Um, like, oh, you think this is what it, you think this is? This is really not what you think it is. Uh, and, you know, some of them deal like with ethnic things. Um, I'm sure you you have probably heard that growing up as I have as well, but it was a uh, um, caves. There was something recent, more recently with KFC, um, came out that they were breeding genetically mutated chickens for for their food. Then, yeah, you know, there was one that I like, remember, like KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken had to change their name to KFC because it wasn't chicken anymore. Like they couldn't <laughs> call it chicken. I remember hearing that, which is untrue. Yeah, KFC that's what I'm saying. It was an urban legend. Yeah, they, they just kind of changed it because um, they just everything happened like the early '90s, right? Because every, everything was kind of like shortening their names. Is what they yeah. did. They make it like yeah, cool. but it's this starts with yeah, but this they yeah the urban legend says that's because they were like breeding, breeding literally genetically made chickens that were not real. So, don the spider bite, spider bite came up a few times. Oh yes, I remember that one. Right, I've never seen like a picture of that one. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, as the story goes, you know, a woman travels in some foreign land. So if, like, if you're on vacation somewhere and you get some kind of a buck bite, um, you know, that's the urban legends. Like, oh, I hope it's not a spider bite. And the idea is that this woman looked like a pimple on her face. And she tried to, like, basically pop the zit and she couldn't do it and eventually kept on growing. And then one night, the zit popped and hundreds of little baby spiders emerged from her face. That's kind of gross. One that since Halloween is always coming is that, you know, there's, um, you always hear about this, like check your candy because there could be like razor blades and the apples and stuff. I never really know anyone who gave out apples on Halloween, but there used to be in the eighties and nineties, the early nineties, a lot of um, emergency rooms, you could come and uh, put your, um, they would do it for free. They would let you, they would run the candy through an x-ray machine to like alleviate fears and make sure there's no like anything like pins or needles or razor blades and there's never been a confirmed story of razor blades or any poison candy but there was one there's a lot of like fake ones but there was a father who ryan o ronald o'brien who actually poisoned a bunch of uh, pixie sticks with cyanide 
and handed them out to children's neighbor as well as his son and daughter. He was after he taken out because he took um, expensive life insurance po- policies out on them. The, he did that to actually, but the only one who actually died, unfortunately, was his son. The other kids never actually ate the pixie sticks because the parents noticed that they were um, like closed back up and stapled. And they're like, that doesn't make sense. Why is the pixie stick like stapled back together? And they actually uh-huh. brought it to, and they were able to trace down who it was. And he was sentenced to life in jail. He said he didn't do it, but everyone, um, there's evidence that he did. But imagine that, like giving out pixie sticks because he wanted to get the money. Nuts. So that's the only one that actually did it. So I guess it, it has happened then. Just not razor blades, just uh, cyanide in pixie sticks. Well, I guess, you know, I mean, I, we could go, we could go on all night, but uh, let's uh, just finish up some, maybe some of the bigger ones too. Um, Roswell, the UFO crash of Roswell, New Mexico. I mean, technically that is an urban legend, right? Well, I mean, there. And, and we have a podcast on that, don't we? Yeah, we do. I'm pretty, almost positive. I'm pretty sure we did. Again, it's been so many, I forget now, but in the, what we know is in 47, something really big crashed in this ranch, right? Northwest of Roswell. And the U.S. military quickly come to retrieve the debris, whatever's left over. I think our podcast kind of talks about the fact that it was experimental aircraft. But people believe that there was something that the government wanted to cover up. And that's where the mystery comes out. One, actually, uh, Jesse Marcel Jr., he's son of one of the military officers that was cleaning the site, later described the debris, saw his father bring home as being made out of like foil with these like eye beams. And that kind of where it starts this idea of, you know, this was alien technology. So technically, Aliens in Roswell is an urban legend. Do you have any good well, ones? Well, I think well, since we're doing like, let's not let's end like a non-spooky one. Okay. One that I'm sure people have known, and that's the urban legend that Walt Disney is oh, yes. had his body frozen, or some versions just his head, and he's placed in a um, like a some sort of chamber. Yeah. Um, located beneath Disney World, they, they particularly Epcot. That underneath Epcot is Walt Disney's body. I remember hearing this when I was a kid too. And Me too. I remember hearing this when I was a kid. They're going to thaw him out when they can find out how to bring people back to life. And then he's going to, Walt Disney will be back. They do the same thing. Supposedly the legend is the same thing about uh, Ted Williams, the famous, that's a baseball player, Pete, in case you're wondering. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Famous yeah, baseball yeah. player. Supposedly he's uh, frozen as well. That's like an argument. Which And there is some truth to those things. There are these, those cryostasis chambers that people can pay and have their bodies frozen in case there's a way to like bring them back one day. Is that real? There are places that do that. It's like private companies. I don't know how well it works or how it would even work because you're also freezing the body. I think a lot of people, I remember watching something on the TV and they're like, if it, I don't know how much it would work because you're still, the cells are getting destroyed from the, from the extreme cold. Right. The yeah. didn't already, they didn't, they weren't, they weren't frozen when they were alive. They were frozen after they passed away already. So, but who knows? Maybe one day. Uh, there's no proof that Walt Disney is actually there. His family says, no, that's not true. So, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, science fiction loves that idea. I mean, this has been used so many times. We could go all day. But I think this is a really good introduction to urban legends. There's a lot in there. And you'll also realize very quickly that a lot of the horror movies you have seen stem from some form or type of an urban legend. A whole bunch out there, yes. Yes. So uh, in case anybody wants to contact us, guys, uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you could find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. If you have any questions, comments, or reactions, please feel free to shoot us an email. If you have any um, urban legends that you think we should share, let us know. We could always put it on our Facebook page or Twitter or Instagram. Um, and, you know, we'll go from there. So thank you so much, everyone, and have an awesome week. Stay safe, everybody.
hope everyone enjoyed our podcast. And if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.